0: Hey, well, pod listeners, a quick note to let you know there's a bit of strong language in this episode. So if you're sensitive to that sort of thing, or if you have kids in the room, this is just your heads up. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show.
1: Test one, two, one, two, test one, two,
0: one, two, one, two. All right, what do we record? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs>
1: Welcome to the Well. I am Brendan Edgens.
0: and I am Anson Mount,
1: and this is a bit of a stopgap episode, okay? Be- because we have some extra Doug Jones stuff. Yeah, we have uh, a story.
0: I'm I'm excited about so story time.
1: It is about my first big gig in as a special effects head of makeup department, and also. The last time <laughs> I tried to do that, I don't know if I've heard this story. And then, for some reason, then during while I, while I was thinking of all this, I thought the WellPod could use a little bit more of that Morning Zoo radio
0: vibe. Okay, you know what I, I mean. I hate the Morning Zoo. I do too. They laugh for no reason. They they laugh at no, annoying like yeah. But what they do have is a
1: soundboard. Ah, right. And they can, they can, they can, because they, what, what I'm getting at here is that my story, even though I think it's good, might need some jazzing up occasionally.
0: Okay. So are you going to, like, are you literally going to be inserting, like, boings here? Not boing. And, no, I got something like, better than boings and stuff I, like that. I got something better than boings. It's
1: sitting right here. Okay. It is the clipped, isolated vocal tracks from Van Halen's 1978 hit. <laughs> Running with the devil. <laughs> I love this. Oh, you got to put on your
0: headphones. Yeah. Now, 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 do, do, you have to make sure people understand this context, like how this came to be uh-huh. out in the world? I, I remember very clearly the first time that I heard this. Uh, it was it was not separated into different sound bites. It was actually the entire David Lee Roth mm-hmm. uh, uh, separated uh, uh, track, the vocal track from Running with the Devil, and. For people who don't know how how <laughs> music is recorded uh, today, is it's you don't have the whole band in the room at one time. You're 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 recording one track at a time. You usually start with the drums, and then you do the bass line, then you do the guitar, and you're you, it's a real controlled way of recording a song. Well, someone <laughs> who works in music uh, clearly had not had a good experience with David Lee Roth. At least that's what I theorize. And this person took some long distance after-the-fact revenge and released this bare-naked recording of David Lee Roth without any accompaniment whatsoever, and it is... It's just everything. It's everything. It's it, it it is it is dramatic. It's hilarious. It's endearing. It's yes. it's unbelievable. When you take the music and you take the drums and bass and everything
1: else away from his vocal tracks, it sounds like someone has set loose the Tasmanian <laughs> devil in the recording booth and you get these really atonal like that this is actually one of the more succinct parts
2: I live my life like this no tomorrow
1: that's f- yeah. all I, got, I, had a steal. I couldn't do that I couldn't do that either and it's not about can you do it mm. it's like that no one would think to do it because there's all of these lyrics throughout this whole thing And they're part of the song, but there's all these flavoring things, these sort of uh, uh, just yelps and screams and and stuff throughout that he kind of peppers throughout the song. Somebody just divided this up into a soundboard so that if you're feeling it, you can just hit it and hear a little...
0: (coughs) (laughs) It's the sound of hair rock. (laughs) It really is. But it's important that you think of...
1: You, you remember that there's a guy in a recording booth and, do, with yeah. headphones on, and there's a microphone six inches from his face, and he's doing this, Hello?
0: right? <laughs> like, do you? I mean, that sounds like more than one voice there. Like, there's something weird going on with his vocal cords. Either
1: that, or there's something weird going on, and like the with the with the channels are being split. I don't know, but. I, as, as far as, like, whether or not he's doing some sort of
0: multi-tonal singing. <laughs> well, Tibetan monks do it. Yes. Diamond Dave must be able to. Uh. <laughs> okay. All right. Before
1: we get before we get too he far. He is a spiritual
0: man, Brandon.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, before we get too far off, uh, let me steer this thing back to. Oh, wait, though. Oh. We're not done with Diamond Dave. Okay, go ahead.
0: Do you know what? Diamond Dave's new creative outlet is. Uh,
1: I actually. Screaming uncontrollably into the wind.
0: I, before we veer back to the subject okay. in hand, this right. is important. Maybe it will enlighten the conversation to come. Oh. I went to see uh, Van Halen play in Calgary when I was shooting Hell on Wheels. <laughs> and Dave, David Lee Roth, he, he's not a young man anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not doing. Uh, flying split kicks anymore. Uh, Woo! <laughs> <laughs> but what he is doing and he plays instead of doing those dances for the audience and those crazy things and like rock climbing over their heads or whatever he used to do. <laughs> the show is interspersed I'm not I'm kidding you not with videos <laughs> of Diamond Dave do performing or competing in competitive sheep herding yeah (laughs) he has a pack of sheepdogs and this is a thing apparently there is there is a competitive sheep herding circuit and diamond david lee roth is a major competitor (laughs) and it's when you see it when you see it it's impressive man it's and there's a there's a there's you know, a select flock of sheep, like 50 sheep, and the dogs have to go and get them and corral them into a certain spot, and it's timed. And man, is he in love with those dogs! But hold
1: on a second. I first of all, I think that's really cool.
0: Oh yeah, that is really cool. But he's doing this during the concert. Oh, you're seeing videos of this throughout the concert. Yeah.
1: Like how? Like, wait a minute. And he's
0: and he's he's doing little vamps, yeah. in the, between the songs to introduce the dogs. He's like, yeah, he's like, hey, you might want to check out what I've been doing my time lately. And there's Angel. <laughs> and there's there's Roxy. Yeah, watch him go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then he does that, Can't right? Like that? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Oh my but he's doing this like while the music is playing or in between songs? Yeah, do, while the music is playing. It's like it's like, you know, that that that. That section, that that thing that they do, where they just doing an instrumental and they introduce the musicians one at a time, and the and the okay. musicians get an opportunity to to riff for a second. It's like that, but then there's like special videos of each dog. <laughs> but but is but is Eddie playing guitar in this band? Uh, is Eddie? I can't remember if Eddie. Like, what would it be? Was, it can't be Van. Yeah, Haley. no. Eddie Eddie was there, and Eddie's son was playing bass. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay,
1: so it was like a little you know, on the heavy side. So, <laughs> so it's a little bit no like offend. there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, no. So like 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 so it's like oh you know everybody here's Eddie on lead guitar as if he needs an introduction. Here is Eddie's son on bass, and here is Schmauser doing his thing herding sheep.
0: Yes. Ah! <laughs> All right, so anyways, I'm done with my... That's my David Lee Roth... Oh, we needed it, though. ...creative We needed that, because there's going to be some David Lee Roth peppered
1: in throughout this story. Excellent. And now we know a little bit more about the context, which is fantastic. All right, so... There's no possible way I can segue... from that story competitive sheep herding yeah there's there, there's no there's no there's no way I can get it from David Lee Roth competitive sheep herding to where I'm going in the story. so I'm just gonna dive into it okay so um, last episode a couple last two episodes have been about um, Dougie Jones hmm and the, you know and I have made several references to my past career in special effects makeup and it's exactly that's exactly what it is past. <laughs> I was obsessed with special effects makeup since I was in second grade. It's a long time, and uh, it was my whole life. And uh, you know, I got pretty good at it. But professionally, it's a different thing. You know, when you're trying to take it to the level of like making that your career. Can I
0: can interrupt one second? Are you uh-huh. concerned about the voices in the no. In fact, you be able to take that out.
1: No, I can't take it out. Oh. But I want to go ahead and mention the reason you're hearing noises in the background right now and you will hear noises in the background throughout this story, is that uh, my wife Sharon and her friends are preparing a feast for tonight for my birthday. Yes. There's a lot going on today. There's a lot going on today. So Brandon's
0: birthday, competitive sheep herding.
1: Dim- Diamond Dave. Bourbon. The beginning and end of my whole Special effects makeup career. Yes. <laughs> so... um Whoa! Oh, I can do that for you. Right. I was gonna preface this whole thing with like I'm gonna tell you a very long story with a lot of technical information in it, uh, but I wanted to do my story first because uh, uh, otherwise, you know, you wouldn't hear it because you wouldn't hear Doug's story. As though our listeners aren't smart enough to figure out how to use the fast forward button. <laughs> but if you did, you were going to miss a whole bunch of <sighs> and. <laughs> And most importantly, God damn it, baby, annoying I'm only going to
0: tell you one time. Ah, yeah. yeah. How, how does he have lungs that big? <laughs> well,
1: also, listen to that. Like he's does It's not even English. It's just sort of like he's had a stroke and he's just kind of screaming. God damn it, baby, annoying I'm only going to tell you one time. Ah, yeah. <laughs> No, no, I guess I can understand it. He took the Lord's name in vain. He did. We apologize. Hey, it wasn't me. Blame Diamond Dave. Cut to like 2001, 2002. I can't remember. First time I'm kind of like head of a makeup effects department. I am doing smallpox recreations. For a BBC production called Smallpox Silent Weapon. And uh, I solved a particular technical problem. Uh, Their makeup effects person had not taken into consideration the heat and the humidity that we'd be working in. I had. I came up with a gelatin formula that set up in this humidity. And blah, I saved the day. It was great. And I was very full of myself and proud of myself for fixing this problem. And that production, by the way, went on to be referenced by George W. Bush. Yes. Wow. Who, uh, in the lead up to the bombing of uh, Iraq, I have just seen a dramatization of smallpox, smallpox used as, uh, uh, as a bioweapon in a BBC production.
0: Damn it, Brandon. Before,
1: and, and he said, and he said, hold on, and he said, and the effects of this, of smallpox is
0: horrifying. Okay. So you're saying you are responsible yes. for the worst foreign policy blunder in the yes. history of the United States. My effects were so harrowing and so
1: realistic that it convinced George W. Bush to bomb the wrong country. So I apologize to everyone at home for my masterful special effects <laughs> capabilities. <laughs> so I was kind of full of myself at that point, And I thought – uh, Okay, I can do this. I can head the department, and then shortly afterwards, I get a call from a different group of people. I'm not gonna name names for no not because not for any reason. I just think it's important. uh they're all great people. uh, the failure you will soon discover was mine. <laughs> so I'm not blaming anyone um but uh, it was an Iranian filmmaker. Um, more of like an art house kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And the story called for, the story was about a prostitute who has a psychotic break and she's hallucinating and all the men that she runs into after the psychotic break have no face. Their eyes and their mouth are just skin. That's a really creepy, surreal, you know, their features have been erased mm. sort, of, sort of effect. still have a nose? They do have a nose, yes. That's harder to cover. Um, making everything with silicone And I do a test makeup and I show it to them. They're happy. I'm happy. Great. I'm hired. It's all happening very fast. Suddenly, two weeks later, I have to be in Morocco where we're shooting this thing in Marrakesh. And I've been told and I already know there are no supplies in Marrakesh. Nothing that I need. So I order about 150 pounds of stuff from California. It's going to take a little while to get there. So I pack about 50 pounds of sort of kit makeup enough to a starter kit to get me started so I can hit the ground running when I get to Marrakesh. The first problem, I don't have a studio. I have an apartment, you know, the 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 hotel basically, and that becomes my makeshift makeup effect studio. <laughs> the next problem is you know, I need some things. You know, I got to go buy you know bowls and cups and all kinds of little knickknacks and stuff to do my thing. <laughs> I can, don't speak the language. They're like, oh, the production's like, oh, we'll give you a translator. The translator shows up. The translator doesn't speak English. <laughs> so I, he's not doing me a lot of good. He seems like a nice guy. But I'm like, I'm having to go through a lot of effort to try to explain to him what I want while he's sort of looking at me sort of puzzled. First things first, you have to make a life cast. So I'm making a life cast, and this guy shows up. He doesn't speak English. My translator doesn't speak English, and I'm about to put this person through a process. And you've been through it. That's like being buried alive. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. It, yeah. If you're claustrophobic, people will freak out under this in, in this process, and they have. I've seen people like lose it and tear everything off their face, and right. you know. And I can't even explain to him what's about to happen to him. I'm like, um, be still everything's fine (laughs) you will be fine you may feel like you are uh buried you are not buried okay you ready to do this okay and so it's me the translator and the dude and i mix up the alginate and I'm put the bald cap on the guy and I'm putting the alginate on the guy and it's running down his face like it's supposed to and in this process you work every you you, you make sure that the alginate is stuck to the person's face everywhere and everything is covered and there are no air bubbles but you leave the nose alone because eh, you need it to breathe right, right and at the end I take a Q tip and I work the alginate around the nostrils to make sure the person can breathe but you're that's a delicate process you do that right at the very end and I'm Doing all this, everything's going well. The translator, he's trying to be helpful, sees this and and thinks to himself, oh, I'll help. Because he looks at the gap where the nose is. He reaches over and grabs like, like a big, like all this algae. is kind of sliding off of the guy's face and just yes. right over the guy's nose. Oh. <laughs> at the same time, the dude is inhaling through his nose. So – He immediately sucks alginate up his nose. He can't breathe. He goes kind of stiff in the chair and, you know, like he's freaking out. I grab his hand and I'm like, shh, shh, calm down. Like, first of all, English isn't working anyway. But I'm just like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And I take a Q-tip and shove it up his nose. And I'm pulling and raking alginate out of his nasal passages and reassuring him, you can breathe. You will breathe, you will breathe, you will breathe, you'll breathe. And eventually somehow this works. Somehow I get this guy through this process. Okay. I turn to my translator and say, the only thing I can think of, do not help me. <laughs> that Don't do that again. <laughs> so I get this live cast done. Now, this is like day two or something of this whole thing. I'm going to be there for three weeks. Uh, this is day two. I start working on the mold, start working on the sculpt immediately. And then I get a visit from the line producer. It's like, hey, we're having a snag with your materials and customs. They've sort of impounded it. I think they're looking for like a bribe. Anyway, (laughs) it might be a minute or a day or two. I'm like, "Eh, okay, well, you know, I have some kit makeup. I can probably limp along for a few days. (laughs) Well, um, a few days becomes the whole production (laughs) and I do something so stupid and this is where I screwed myself I screwed myself not because I wasn't, my craft wasn't up to snuff or that I didn't know what I was doing technically I screwed myself because I thought I was going to be the hero of the production and do what I had promised to do without the materials that I was accustomed to working with Mm -hmm. because I was trying to save them, prevent them from having to pay a bribe to get all my materials out of customs. And I thought, I can, I can do this. (laughs) I can figure it out. Yes, I am. Right. And,
0: (laughs) (laughs) um, I see where this, this idea is. Yes. (laughs) Starting to take (laughs) shape. So,
1: and I am, trying desperately to make these molds and these, 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 these prosthetics work using just straight latex. It's a terrible material. It doesn't work anywhere near as well as silicon does. I don't have any materials. Next thing I know, me and the translator have to go to the souks, right? It's kind of like an outdoor mall. Okay. Where, you know, there's a section for spices and a section for kitchen utensils and a section for uh, <laughs> shoes and whatever. It's certainly not for FX makeup. Not for FX makeup, <laughs> but there is, I do find, the dentist supply ah. booth. And I'm able to get alginate and dental stone and a couple of other things out of them. And then, uh, this man, this story, I don't know where, how to untangle it. I have to start using latex because I don't have any silicone. So I start running latex through my molds. So I start then trying to run silicone through those same molds, whoops, I forgot something that nobody would think of. You can't run silicone in a mold that's already been used for latex. Why? Latex proteins build up inside the, or are still stuck to the inside of your plaster molds. They inhibit the cure of your silicone. So you put your two part silicone together into the mold, you close it, you open it. And it's just like this gummy resinous mess that will never set, never set up. So now it's like a sticky, gooey, oh, gluey God. mess stuck to your molds that you now have to clean off. I don't have anything to clean it with. So I'm thinking chemically, uh, okay, uh, go to the souks. There's this chemistry section. So I, <laughs> so I go to the souks, and I go to the and I go to the souks, and I'm like, do you have... There's a hole in the bucket. There's, There's, <laughs> like, There's a hole in the
0: bucket. <laughs>
1: I'm like, do you have any naphthane no they're just looking at me weird i'm like uh maybe we're speaking the wrong language uh do you have any trichlorotrifluoroethane no do you have carbon tetrachloride and his he's like oh yes i'm like oh shit why do you have carbon tetrachloride because carbon tetrachloride was banned by the army Right? Because the the Pentagon used it for cleaning munitions, and then it turns out to be the worst hepatotoxin that you can possibly come up with. And it's so dangerous. It's such a dangerous chemical. But that's what they have in a big brown bottle that I take home from the souk, and now I'm on the roof of my hotel trying to make sure that there's enough ventilation, that I don't die. (laughs) And cleaning all these molds with like a, uh, a, a dish scrubber, right? you know, and like this awful, awful carcinogenic, hepatotoxic chemical. And it doesn't work. I, I After all of this, I try to run silicon again. Same problem. I can't get rid of this latex protein that's inhibiting the cure of the silicon. And I apologize to everybody at home. For me, nerding out about uh, my uh, chemistry problems, maybe this will like help you feel a little better. <laughs> okay, right, I just had to punch things up a little bit and get us out of the chemistry. All right, so uh, that's kind of part two, the big kind of like second chapter of this problem. Part three. Okay, <laughs> I have to erase the features of a group of like fifty guys. There's a big moment in this in this movie. Where fifty Muslim dudes in a mosque are there and their heads are down on their prayer you know, uh, mats, and they're all their heads are down, you can't see them, and then they all raise up all at once and all of their faces are gone. They all have no eyes and no mouth. And trying to do prosthetics for fifty people is a challenge. yeah, and I don't have the right materials, and I don't have life casts of all these people. so I make, uh, a latex patch, basically left eye, right eye mouth, kind of generic sizes and colors so that hopefully when I get there on the day, I can match them to the people. And I tell production, uh, we've been having all kinds of problems with this. A by the way, uh, what I've discovered about, uh, the folks of Marrakesh, lovely people, but their way of saying hello, like in America, we say, Hey, how you doing? And Europeans get thrown off. Cause they're like, you don't really care. Mm-hmm. You don't really care how I'm doing. Why did you ask me that? It's rhetorical. Well, over there, what they say is anything for you, my friend. Okay, I took that literally. <laughs> for the first couple, for the first like couple of days, I'm like, why wow, everyone is so helpful? <laughs> there, I'm friends with everybody, and they will do anything to help me well that's just how they say hi so it's not that's not what it was so at this point I'm kind of wise to this fact and I'm telling production like okay you've got your 50 guys your extras that you're paying you know $10 a day or whatever to come do this do they understand what's about to happen to them they will be blind they won't be able to see This is gonna be a long hot day it's gonna be uncomfortable they have to be shaven and I of course I hear of course they all know this anything for you my friend I'm like, no, 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 no. I've heard this before. (laughs) Do they know they have to be shaven? Yes, anything for you, my friend. I'm not convinced. (laughs) But they tell me over and over and over again that it's taken care of. Show up on the day of. Guess what? They all have beards. Yes. (laughs) 50 dudes with beards. (gasps) And... And now the first thing I have to do is now, oh, I forgot, I I didn't even mention this. Halfway through this, my wife Sharon comes and joins me because I need help. And I'm not sleeping. I'm like, I'm working 18 hours a day, every day. It's miserable. trying to make all of these little prosthetics and molds and stuff, cleaning molds and (laughs) trying not to destroy my liver in the process. (laughs) Um, And so now Sharon and myself and the two other makeup people have to set up a barber shop. Now I'm shaving dudes. Oh wow! Well. I've never done that. I've never shaved another dude, but now I am. I'm soaping up dudes' beards, and I can't speak their language, and I'm shaving them to make a nice clean complexion, so I can then apply my appliances. And we kind of set up, get a little system going where like the other people are shaving, and somebody else is gluing, and I am airbrushing. Everything and the airbrush is screwing up because I'm in this like super arid environment. The paint is just drying inside the airbrush before (laughs) it comes out and clogging constantly. Oh my god! So I get like eight guys done out of fifty or ten guys done. I get in there and like someone takes them by the hand and actually they could see a little bit. I I punched holes in the appliances and then Mm. glued netting over the holes so they could see a little bit, just a little. And anyway, they get led out of the trailer and they're going to be standing by until they're ready to shoot. And I get like 10 of these guys done and then the first AD shows up. And it's like, hey, uh, we took some of those guys up for some camera test and it doesn't look right. It's The makeup looks really bad. And I'm like, oh God, I, God I, I didn't think I was screwing up that badly. So uh, they lead me around to where they're Keep holding the guys and I immediately see a guy with his left patch prosthetic over his left eye his right patch eye prosthetic over his mouth and oh his god. mouth prosthetic over his right eye oh my god <laughs> and oh my I'm god like, I'm like I'm tired I'm sleep deprived I'm pretty sure I didn't do that <laughs> And I, I realized they they walked out of the thing and they wanted to smoke. And see, they just tore the prosthetics oh off.
0: Oh, my God. No. And I see them.
1: They're holding their prosthetics in their hand while they're smoking. And I'm like, well, this is going to set me back.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, dude. And now I'm like, you know, putting the prosthetics to other guys. I'm like, okay, to the first AD, to everybody. Tell them they cannot take these prosthetics off. Yes, anything for you, my friend. No, 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 no. (laughs) No, I'm tired of hearing that. They cannot. Tell them they will not get paid if they rip their prosthetics off. Anything for you, my friend. Oh, no. (laughs) So uh, eventually we get like 50 of these guys covered. We go up to the mosque Mm -hmm. and get everybody covered. And, and I'm running around like a lunatic, you know, with like glue and powder and whatever trying to like fix edges. Just, it just they, they all they need to do is sit up for like 3 seconds and we're done. And Oh, a million other things happened in the process of this. Like, uh, we had to stop because a cat wandered into the shot and laid down, you know, <laughs> like little things like that. Like, I'm ready to go. We're ready to go. Let's do this. And the cat, who doesn't give a crap, and just like walks in and just lays down in the middle of the shot. And the first AD has to run through like an outfielder and scoop him up and run off with a cat. <laughs> and it was that pace of problem from beginning to end. And I think after that, I was like, I'm. I don't want to do this anymore. Like it was. It was fun as a hobby. And if and it, we're, we're, in my big learning thing, what I sh- if if that had been what I wanted to do as a career, I would have learned from that and moved on. But I, you know, you know me. I had other things I wanted to do. I wanted to write, yeah. uh, shoot, edit, and other things. And I thought like, well, the, the place where I failed was I should have told the line producer. Either get my materials out of out of the impound, or send me back home, and then do this stuff with CG. Yeah. Because this in between business of me trying to do this with latex and other and mixed materials yeah. is a dumb idea, and uh, it was my fault. It's of, so
0: easy though to get in the middle of production, the heat of production, and then to fool yourself. Yeah it really is because
1: you want to you want to do you want to you
0: want to be the strong link in the chain yeah right
1: you, you want to be the guy that saves the day and i was just i was not realistic about what i could pull off
0: with the materials that i could find in the souk <laughs> and the material <laughs> of filmmaking i mean the the fuel of filmmaking it, it is optimism Yes, true. It, it can be nothing else, and, That's true. And, but we can be fatally optimistic. Yes, <laughs> that was fatally optimistic. And I didn't even get to the part.
1: It was an aside. I was sleep deprived and I was talking to the director and the producer. And there's a scene where the lead actress, she's completely naked in a bath and she's scrubbing herself until she bleeds. Mm. So I had to make, I did, and I did make these prosthetics like um, uh, that covered her and that I hid blood underneath and blood would squeeze up through it. I did that part. But then like in the middle of all of this nightmare, uh they were like, you know, she's very flat chested. Do you think you could make you know, prosthetic boobs for her? <laughs> I'm like and that was you know what? That was the only time that I was like kind of with it and smart enough to be like, <laughs> No, I can't stop. Do you have no idea what I'm up against right now? Like I've got I, I haven't slept in like a week and I'm I think I have cancer. <laughs> Wow! <laughs>
0: I beat you to it. <laughs>
1: you did. That was right on time. Okay. This is just a little
0: <laughs> and a little Ooh. and a little I bit. I'll tell of, you all about it. Yeah, it's, a, it's it's such a great train wreck story and involving creativity. And yeah. like, I mean, it, it's like, I, and I've told you about this segment idea that I've had that I want to start yeah. asking people to do, do the scroll to the bottom, mm-hmm. like ask them about the thing at the bottom of the IMDb page. Yeah, that's right. That's it's right. Always a great story. That's right. Well, well I mean, that was bugbuster. Exactly. Yeah. That is that is exactly what that was. Yeah, yeah. Bug yeah, because
1: Buster. I mean, there's no there's no story and like how production go perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we're done right with that. <laughs> as promised, some more from our interview with Doug Jones for your morning commute on WTWP.
2: Woo! Uh!
1: I asked Doug about the comfort a disguise affords and if he found it liberating.
2: I would say, yes, it is liberating. Uh, It uh, uh, is, and it does allow you a certain freedom to be bigger, broader than you might be on, uh, in a t-shirt and jeans. Mm Um, I, uh, uh, I, I noticed this when, um, after playing creatures for many years and being able to, and I wouldn't say hide behind, but, but when you take when you put on the skin of something else and you are now that thing, it's less vulnerable, uh, personally. Then I did a, I did a, a, an indie film in I think it came out in 2010, I'm going to say, my name is Jerry, it's called. I played Jerry, a middle-aged white guy going through a midlife crisis, something I am and have done. So it was like, so this was very, very personal and very, I was a guy in a, in a suit and tie. I was a door-to-door salesman who was going through his like, a, a, you know, a midlife change. And and that was roles written for me by a, a film student who was then graduated, and, and, and it came out and was on Netflix for quite a while. It was like I loved My Name Is Jerry. It's on the YouTube now. You can find it for free if you if you log in. Um, and but that was that was terrifying for me because I was the DVD cover face. I was the lead role. I was Jerry, and My Name Is Jerry, and. That was like walking out of the house in a Speedo. You know, it felt like very kind of like, I'm kind of exposed because I'm not, I don't have a monster on my face to hide hide behind. (laughs) I am, yeah, so it's all me now. So there is a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, crazy makeups do allow you a freedom to be like, I can do anything. And it's, yeah, it's not going to come back on me. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, well, they do now, especially when they, when they say, Doug Jones is playing this part. It's like, well, okay, now they know. Crap.
1: <laughs> what a strange journey that he's been on to go from, like, wanting to... Assuming early that he would be, like, a recognizable face, the wacky neighbor or whatever, and now has spent so much time in costumes and makeups
0: that he's become... He's freaked out by his own face. <laughs> exactly. Which is why I think we need to do a movie about an alien that decides it wants to be an actor and it pays somebody to turn them into Doug Jones. <laughs> oh my God, that's so meta. And like, it's, it's an alien that calls himself Doug Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and then gets found out. And they try to use the alien to market the movies, and the alien's freaked out by its own face. (laughs) (laughs) This rabbit hole goes deep. Oh, it
1: does. (laughs) Um, I mean, I just. Run on one more time. Okay. Just, you know, we're in story mode. I'll tell you all about it. Um, Morning Zoo 100. <laughs> exactly. Welcome to 107. Your FM die. It's Crazy out there. I found the simple life. It's
2: <laughs> <ain't> so simple.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, when I oh, no, he's down, still going. He keeps going.
2: On that road.
0: Nice. Um. In our own world, the motorcycle just took over. Wow. That was a nice segue. Thank you, world. <laughs> think you're falling in line <laughs> one last question okay what was it like to go home and be celebrated
2: oh, it's home in Indiana yeah. where I come from oh okay so yes you were around when, oh um, I when I was a kid I, growing up in Indianapolis Indiana every May would be the Indianapolis 500 festival the the race the big the big famous race and the festival included a parade I went downtown to Indianapolis uh, every year for that. I would watch that parade. And uh, in that parade, they would often have celebrities you know, who come from Hollywood, and they would be in the back of a, of a convertible, uh, you know, uh, pace car. Uh, and I remember, I remember specifically seeing Ruth Buzzy and Joanne Worley and Jim Neighbors uh, remember I love Gomer Pyle and there's Jim Neighbors in the parade. Uh, oh my gosh. And then uh, there was an old show called Adam 12. Uh, it was a cop show when I was a kid and Kent McCord, one of the two, he was the younger cop, he was sitting in the back of a car and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Kent McCord. I watch him every week and he's in front of me. I could run out there and smack his face. Right? It was like, I was just like the idea that there's, these are real people and they really did this. I, I, they're not just on TV. They're like, I could do this one day. And so I decided at 12 years old that one day I'm going to be invited to come back here and be in this freaking parade, right? It happened this year, Anson. <laughs> it did. It did, Brandon. It happened. So uh so uh, yeah, I was this this so May uh, Memorial Day weekend I um I went down to Indianapolis uh and was sitting on the back of a of a vintage pace car. Uh, waving at at fans, and, and the speaker system would you know all throughout the parade route was announcing me, and I, it was surreal to be in my home city with fans lining lining the street, and um, a lot of people knew me from my career, but a lot of people were yelling out, "Hey, Chittard Trojans! Yeah, that was my high school," or <laughs> "Ball State, chirp chirp, we were the Cardinals." Uh, I, so I, I had like a whole connection to the to where I was. It was so being. Sitting on the back of a car, waving at adoring fans in your hometown is just a dream come true that we've all fantasized about, right? (laughs) Right, Totally, yeah. So thank you for asking, yes. (laughs) First of all, I wonder if
0: there were any fans in that parade that said to themselves, that's Doug Jones. I see him every week on TV. I could run out there and smack smack his face. (laughs) Second of all, Shatard?
1: Right. What is that?
0: The name of his high school.
1: Woo! Now it's better. Have you had this fantasy as a oh,
0: actor, performer? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Why haven't you had a parade yet? You're asking the wrong guy. Actually, no, I got invited to be the, I don't know, marshal of the White Bluff... Christmas parade. Oh yeah. And just I haven't been able to work it out schedule-wise. I, incredible. Incredible honor. Right. And really really humbled <laughs> by the No, I was. Seriously. I know, it's my I hometown. Know. It's my hometown. I know. I and know. I'm very humbled by the by the invitation and hope hope to uh, time it with a, a trip home uh, eventually.
2: Mhm.
0: What do you, what do you think that is though? Um it's the desire to come full circle. Mm-hmm. The the this um, I, I understand exactly what he's talking about. Um, just based on you know the best example I can think of is is sitting in the captain's chair on Star Trek for the first time, mm-hmm. and that you know that was my make believe game when I was a kid, and then to sit in the actual captain's chair was just mind blowing, and that's one of the cool things about being in this business is that. There are those things that you get to do where, as a kid, you said, one day, if only, mm. and you never, maybe never really believed it would happen in the mm. back of your head, and then it happens, and mm. it, it is, it's crazy. It's, it is, um, it's, it's mind-blowing. It's, mind it's head-spinning. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I don't think it's, it's, um, maybe it's ego-gratifying, but for me, at least, it's not really about that it's more about the full circle.
1: Well, I think we automatically kind of assume that ego is always bad, and mm-hmm. that something ego gratifying is always bad. It's not. I think if ego is your, if ego gratification is your motivation to do things, that can become kind of poisonous. But if something just is ego gratifying, there's something wrong with that and enjoying that. I w-
0: I will say this about ego. Mm-hmm. I never want you. Mm-hmm. to try and erase my face. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah! Oh. Ooh! Oh wait. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, um, there's a lot of options <laughs> and there's a flavor for whatever you want to express. I <laughs> ah, yes.
0: Okay. I don't know how we worked ourselves into this corner. <laughs> No, I did but it. Ego prosthetics and David Lee Roth. I know this is what happens when
1: the battery on your computer dies, and, and we're less just, scrambling—just chaos. <laughs> and, and you're less scrambling for what else do we have in the barrel? I don't know. I found I found a dead raccoon. Let's make a show about that.
0: Oh! Oh yes.
2: I live my life like there's no tomorrow. And all I've got, I had a steal.
1: The Well mean, is produced, written, and edited by Anson Mount and myself, Brandon Edgens. Special thanks to Doug Jones for being such a fantastic guest and cramming an interview into his very busy schedule. Theme music for The Well by Jonathan Myberg additional music for this episode of the well by brandon edgens and the man shouting his head off at this moment david lee roth
0: tell you all about it,
1: david if you're listening i think competitive sheep herding is actually really cool and i think it makes for a great third act in one's life if you enjoyed this episode of the well please tell us so by giving us a review on itunes or stitcher or wherever you get your podcast Have a great week, and I'll let Diamond Dave take us out. God damn it, baby, no, I ain't lying to you. I'm only going to tell you one time.
2: Yes, I am. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God, I'm running.
0: Uh, uh, Run right on one more time.
1: Hey, ah yeah. hey, ah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.